It's the My Michelle Live podcast. My Michelle Live Entertainment Review. Roll out the red carpet. Here's Michelle. My Michelle Live Entertainment Review, taking you into the weekend with some talk about movies today. What movies are coming out, getting some reviews for their entertainment, family-friendly value, and if there's a deeper story. We're also going to pick apart superheroes today. We're going to talk about the movie Wonder Woman 88. Almost everyone's seen it, but there may be more to the story, something to think about. So stay with us today as we entertain you. taking it on today in our entertainment review talking about Wonder Woman WW88 well here we are guys with another superhero movie yay and we're going to be taking it on today with my friends we have john horsley we have joshua mcmillan i'm michelle mendoza guys uh in superhero language what would you say about the new wonder woman movie oh in superhero language uh yeah First thing that comes to mind is Cowabunga, but that's not super. That's turtles. But it's I, 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 <laughs> super, superish, superish. Yeah, yeah. It's it's wonderful. <laughs> it's all yeah. right. I I have mixed feelings about basically any of the DC superhero movies because it's really hard for them to stack up against Marvel. Um, I think I thought there were some things about it that were pretty charming and fun. Um, like uh, Steve's character, the character Steve in the beginning when he has a fascination with uh, with fanny packs and airplanes. That was that was charming. That was fun. <laughs> but I feel like with with this one and a lot of the DC movies that a lot of their their plots, and a lot of the writing feels very contrived. You know, like like the first Wonder Woman, for instance, the ending was literally like Captain America, but reverse. You know, like it was, it was like his name's even Steve, you know, and flying off into big plane and killing himself for the greater good. So a lot of it feels kind of like forced in the writing when you compare it to some of the better superhero movies that are out there. And I think my, my only big problem with it is a lot of the characters in here, even Wonder Woman, they feel too perfect. You know, like they don't have enough enough flaws that really give them a depth of Oh, let me take that on. Uh, Now, this is kind of interesting. There is a book called The Secret History of Wonder Woman. It's by Jill Lepore. And she's a, a professor of American history at Harvard, staff writer for The New Yorker. And she said this, feminism made Wonder Woman. And then Wonder Woman remade feminism, which hasn't been altogether good for feminism. Why? She says, superheroes who are supposed to be better than everyone else are excellent at clobbering people, but lousy at fighting for equality. So does that play to your, you know, sometimes you're just too perfect in this imperfect world? I think it can. Absolutely. I mean... uh... If you like, if you look at the Marvel movies, they're so relatable and they're so good because their characters are flawed and you can relate to them. You know, I mean, maybe I n- might not be able to relate to Tony Stark being a, a multi-billionaire that owns a giant house on Malibu that gets destroyed by, you know, fighting bad guys and whatnot. But I can relate to him in that I see his flaws, I see his struggle. You know, his struggle with humility at times, his struggle with. Um, like even the love for his family and tearing that between the two worlds and the culmination of the, the Avengers movies there, you know, he's like, all right, what do I do? I don't want to fight anymore, but I have to, you know, you see those struggles with them and they only really struggle. We get it. Like, like if we go to Aquaman, his struggle was that he 
kind of didn't fit in in two worlds, but he was also perfect. But he also like his big flaw was kind of that he was a big dumb tough guy, you know, didn't always think things through. It's like okay, that's that's kind of there, I but guess. The, it's like but that to a me, sticker on it and calling it good. But, I don't know, what but, do you think, John? Yeah. Well, I think it comes down to something my dad used to tell me. I don't, and I don't know where he got this quote from, but it's a it's a it's the basic difference between Marvel and DC characters is. With the Marvel Universe, you have people trying to be gods, right? You have humans trying to be super. In the DC Universe, you have gods trying to be human, which is fundamentally a different yeah. aspect of way to attack, to attack storytelling. Whereas Wonder Woman is basically a demigod living in the human world. So she is essentially perfect, right? And she's trying to live in this imperfect world where she doesn't really have any flaws in these movies. Whereas Tony Stark, even Captain America, even Thor, to where they handle Thor in the Marvel Universe, oh, yeah. they're more human trying to be godlike, which is... The biggest difference between those two universes, which is why those that you can't have Marvel characters and DC characters really live in the same world because of their fundamental difference of how they're approached as characters. Mm-hmm. Well put. So where where we're looking at is the relatability of the characters, and so is that where while yeah, Wonder Woman eighty eight, there were some really relatable and funny parts to it uh it was entertaining it was uh didn't have enough action didn't have enough action in my opinion but nonetheless is that the why it's a it's a good movie but it's not one that you're going to go back to again and again kind of i also think with wonder woman 80 or 84 whatever it it has an issue with the fact that it's it's fun has fun characters the the fight scenes that are in it are fun to watch The, the choreography is really good However, plot-wise and story-wise, it's just not there. Like, the main villain, uh, you know, uh, uh, it doesn't have a lot going on. He wants to give grant people wishes and take things from them. There's like It's very, very one note. And the way that he gets defeated in the end doesn't make a lot of sense. Because, like, and not to spoil it for anybody, but I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you've probably already seen it. But, you know, she has her lasso of truth, and she can't get through this big void, but then she just does. And yeah. Them. Like, and then somehow she's able to talk through him to the world. Like, there's no explanation for how some of this stuff happens. Or like the invisible jet. While I love the fact they include the invisible jet in this, is a really cool yeah, nod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That the was way cool. they got it. All of a sudden, she has this new power to make things invisible. It's like, right. And oh, now all and of a sudden, I can fly. Has enough and... fuel to get them to Cairo. Like this jet <laughs> that's just sitting there. <laughs> that, that jet. So if, if you actually look at the the the, the science behind that jet that jet would have crashed about 200 miles outside of africa (laughs) that jet can't fly that far yeah that 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 flight was twice the length of where that jet could fly so i think that's lazy writing because how do you overcome some of those problems well i have a magical power right it's it's it's, that's the downfall of the dc movies is they 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 just have stuff like that fall to well it's superhero comics they can do whatever they can do whatever they want right. really it's like it's like in the first one movie that the boat trip from Themyscira to london yeah, that would have taken them three weeks they would by the time they got there the war would have been over look it was a really long nap okay right. they, just, they were sleeping a long time very tired no, i 100 percent agree though it's it, they're i mean i I like them in a lot of sense just because of the actors in them in a lot of cases. Right. Same. You're like Aquaman will always have a place in my heart because I have Jason Momoa and um and, and Boba Fett slash Django Fett there having a beer together, you know, at a bar. Like that's that's great. I can't not love that, you know. And I I love Pedro Pascal. Like he's great. And by the way, just side note here: if we ever do a Firefly that doesn't have Nathan Fillion, Ooh. Pedro Pascal, Nathan Fillion. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. okay. I can see I'm that. I'm glad we're on board with that. We can at least come together. I think the the yeah. um, well. Go ahead, Josh. Oh, the the one other thing I was gonna say that really separates them in terms of like we're talking about the attention to detail and the the, the quality of the movie is the egregious amounts of green screen they use in the dc movies versus if you look at the marvel movies how many scenes have very like they mix the green screen they mix the cgi with actual effects like there's a the the scene where wonder woman's chasing and she's running the uh, down the cars and stuff like that's just so painfully green screen there's no window in her hair she's just like perfectly like you know, it's it's corny, but they do a similar scene in one of the Avengers movies where they're chasing and running and fighting along the cars in a tunnel. They actually pulled that behind a truck. You know, they're like they're like on 
a a trailer essentially like a carpet that's being dragged along to make it look more realistic and to really get some of that that visceral feel it's kind of like in the original star wars right like the oh, I, I was, was gonna all... say that yes <laughs> yeah it was yes. all, all real yes. effects and then like george was like let's just cgi everything and it's like no tactile effects are always better in, in a movie. yes it's, like, it's always uh, better go ahead about about that. yeah chris nolan made a comment about that basically saying that with like the, the dark knight trilogy is like cgi is great for a movie but you use it to enhance a scene you don't use it to create a scene create a scene right? they're crazy yeah. then you know you know it was something like sky cap in the road tomorrow where it just looks like a bad cartoon it's anyway. true what what we see with cgi is it, it just doesn't have that real connection and that's an, we're in a time where we really crave connection real connection star wars you mentioned it way to go josh because the beauty of that was was not only the reality but the creativity not just put out a formulaic movie with the formulaic actors and the same scenes and the same this and that but trying to pull off how can we make this work music we saw music coming out of the 60s and the 70s that was so creative and they played with some of the electronics how can we make this cool sound now it's all formulaic everything kind of sounds the same no matter who you hear it from so that's where when we see the creativity in the marvel universe versus dc i think hands down it's it it, it's like kindergarten versus you know college level whoops i said it Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah i as much as i love dc i i'm a big i'm more of a dc fan than marvel when it comes to the characters and the comics but when it comes to the movies marvel just kills it and, and while I enjoyed Wonder Woman, I enjoyed the new Wonder Woman. I enjoyed Aquaman. I didn't really care for BPS Justice League or man. I, I like Man of Steel a little bit. Like, and they're fun to watch, but yeah, there's no, they're, they're there's good. no lot of rewatch put it to them. Like, I'm not going to rewatch what, the new Wonder Woman probably no. unless my kids want me to. My, my daughters loved it. I mean, they absolutely loved the movie, which was, which was great. My kid, my boys loved it too. But, and I, I had a lot of fun watching it and I do recommend people see it, but I, it's, it's one of those ones like, yep, I saw it. It was all right. But the more I think about it, the more plot holes I find, the more things I find that I'm like, this doesn't make sense. Like the character of Cheetah, who I think Kristen Wiig did a really great job portraying her. She would not just renounce her wish and go back to being normal. Like Cheetah would not do that. She would be like, nope, I'm keeping this. Yeah. 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 Yeah, And then at the end of the show, there's no more bad guys. We've just eliminated all bad guys, you know. So one of the joys of the Marvel Universe was seeing those post-movie teasers that yeah. were saying, hey, there, there's, yeah, wait, there's more, but wait, there's more. You know, th- there's not that at Wonder Woman. And even figuring out who Wonder Woman is, Wonder Woman had an appeal to me, kind of like Ginger Rogers had said of uh, Dancing with Fred Astaire, famous quote, and you got to love it. Uh, with uh, you, you know, they were uh, a dancing duo, for those who don't know, back in, uh, what, the 20s 30s uh, famous in all these black and white movies i mean just extraordinary dancers fred astaire is very well known ginger rogers said this i did everything he did but backwards and in heels and i think that was the <laughs> the beauty of wonder woman and why we needed a wonder woman superhero but now we have uh, extraordinary women portrayed in in film everywhere so where does wonder woman go from here you know i, I think that's a great a bunch about that i love that quote by the way it's an amazing quote i've always loved it i know um, <laughs> but it, it's a funny concept because it, it i think one of the faults that and and i can't really fault patty jenkins you know for this or or warner brothers or dc but in our current world of movies it's okay for a male superhero to have a bunch of problems right they can still be relatable and have problems I think if they gave Wonder Woman the same problems, she would not be accepted as well. And it would, they would say, I mean, it, I always fall back to the, well, she should smile more comment, right? Oh and, my goodness, right? Right. It's like, so if they gave Wonder Woman a bunch of I'm problems. I'm sexy like that, and sultry, and that's part of my superpower. Exactly. And I think, I mean, while I would like her to be more of a well rounded character, I think they, what they should have done, they should have focused more on her differences with society and the world. Because even though she's been around for, at this point, you know, 60 years, whatever it's been since the first one, 
she would still be awkward because she spent her first however many hundreds of years not in that. Yeah. In Themyscira with only women, only in battle world, not in the real world. So she would still. And still could be that be funny? Could that awkwardness just be so endearing and so funny? We saw that with Thor and that's why we love Thor. You know, he's this yeah. demigod, but. He, he didn't always get things and you know I, I you know I'd want more beer oops crashed my 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 just and those things were so funny and then as his character progressed watching him take on some of the the sarcasm of of humanity and incorporate that into his world so uh, to take on something you said John uh where DC or God's trying to be human versus human, you know, they took that godlike thing of Thor and in him trying to be human, human made it endearing and charming. And, and thus, uh, it was as though he was trying to attain something in humanity. And that in itself was a fascinating, woo, twisty yeah, thing. Yeah. I like that. I'm like- and, and like Wonder Woman can be this endearing character. Wonder Woman can embody that. Like if there's those comic books out there by Greg Rucka and by Gail Simone and by Tim Bruckner, a bunch of these writers out there the last 20 years have written these amazing Wonder Woman stories that embody everything we've talked about that we wish this movie had. Yeah. But the movie didn't try to tap into it. It, it laid into the whole, she's a god from the Mascara and she's pretty much all powerful. And, yeah. you know, there's like, it's, it's, it's the whole argument I have. Like I'm a big, big Superman fan. I love Superman. Like I have so much Superman stuff in my office here. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> But I hate the argument. People go, well, Superman is just a Boy Scout. He's Nobody can kill him. It, it, he's super strong. But that's not the point of Superman. If you read a good Superman story, his strength is nothing about the story, right? His What makes a Superman story good is his humanity and his faith in humanity and his morals and how he tries to – he always tries to be the best of humankind because that's what he wants. That's what he sees in humankind. And those are the best stories out there. And that's why I love that character. But they've never – I mean, they haven't. the only time they've ever hit that in a movie was – the Richard Donner movies, Christopher Reeves back in the seventies. And that touched it somewhat, but they kind of messed some other stuff up too. But like the. Well, spinning around the world makes the time go backwards. Right. That that was Superman three. Okay. Or two. whatever. (laughs) Um, But with Wonder Woman, she kind of has the same way, but Wonder Woman is kind of like Superman in the fact that she, she wants the best for humanity, but she also knows the trials of war of man. Right. Mm -hmm. So she still fights for the same thing that Clark, Clark does or Paula does, but in a different way. And she's, She's very much a warrior. Like Wonder Woman would not back down from a fight, period. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of weird to see her defeat the final boss in a movie without a fight. Because yeah. she's a hardcore warrior. Like she would not back down from a okay, fight. Okay, but that's part of the conflict with Wonder Woman is that what is she? Who is she really? I mean, when you think of a feminist utopia uh, and right. what people think that we should have right now is, you know, we need more, we need to be a more feminist society. And so anything that is male and white and male white and masculine is bad and it's evil. Uh, but yet, Wonder Woman comes from this glorious island where all of the women kind of behave traditionally the way men do. So it's a little bit confusing. And we are seeing in in our society in real life how the idea of feminism only is destroying us. It really is. We need that yin-yang kind of balance with male-female ideas. So while there's nothing wrong with Wonder Woman wearing really great boots, right? Because if I were Wonder Woman, right, that would be me. I'd be blinged out. But why be like you a man? You would be Cheetah in the Cheetah in the Cheetah shoes. That would have been you. If we're cheetah all going to be shoes. honest here. Yeah, I, I kind of like the Cheetah shoes. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I'm okay with that. I'll own I knew that. it. <laughs> so I, I thought of you when I saw them. <laughs> yes. Uh, I think but, you actually had those in your closet at one point, if we're all going to be honest here. but I have them in my closet. I also have cheetah boots, too, right? A matching cap and probably a scarf or two. So what, what's your You point? are cheetah. <laughs> Which is ironic because for those who don't know, back in the day, that Wonder Woman song was actually her uh, her bumper music to her her show. I think we're going to have to revise that. Yeah, because I just yeah, think it's glorious. So 
maybe what what we're saying is there's a little bit of Wonder Woman, a little bit of Cheetah in all of us girls, and that maybe that's okay, and maybe that's where we need to be a little bit more relatable. But you know, with Wonder Woman, there's been some uh, some problems with what do they do with Wonder Woman now? You know, there's some uh, writings that have tried to make her into a lesbian. There's some who have, you know, tried to uh, make her a lot stronger feminist. They We've gotten away in some cases from her fight for the old red, white, and blue. You know, so we're, we're when you don't have a moral base for your character of where they're their uh, drive to do good is coming from i think it's harder to relate to the character i agree i agree and uh the it there's a great comic book by darwin cook called new frontier right it's uh it involves the, the entire justice league and it's a it's a it's based in comedy it's based in, in the the cold war era right and it's it's it tackles one woman in an amazing way because it shows her relentlessness to be good but her misunderstanding of how to be good Right. It, it, it takes that aspect of she's from a different world. She attacks things differently than how, you know, I don't want to say humans, but how like a normal person would in a, in a war. And her idea is just to go in and take and do it. Right. Versus just trying to be diplomatic or trying to do it, like anything like that. I think with Wonder Woman moving forward in the future, I really think that the writers of if they make more movies, whatever, they really need to hearken and lean back on some of the classic stories, some of the. Uh, the amazing writers who get the character and have written these modernizations of the character and, and have written her into the modern world, not being in the forties written by, you know, a doctor who was really into BDSM. Um, <laughs> his, I mean, he's great stuff, but he was, the guy was kind of weird. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, leaning on something, not necessarily taking their stories and making moves out of them, but leaning on how they treated the character, like focus on the characterizations of what, like, you know, Greg Rucka, Greg Rucka understands Wonder Woman a lot. And he's probably one of the greatest Wonder Woman writers in the past 20, 30 years. I mean, he he, think he's written like almost 200 issues of her, of her book. And then like, like Gil Simone's written a bunch of Wonder Woman that did a really good job on it. Understanding how they attack that character. And they, they treat her more as um, she is this demigod, all these powers, but she's trying to understand man's world because that's what she wants to be. Cause she wants to help out and she wants to do good. And she has friends like Superman and Batman and flash and all these superheroes that she works with sometimes good sometimes or sometimes well sometimes not so well you know and um not just try and reinvent the world and like because sometimes it feels like and this movie really feels to me like they just they picked characters out of the comic but they picked maxwell lord they picked cheetah and they you know and wonder woman and they said let's make a movie around these three and kind of understood what their characters were but not really understood like the background of who cheetah was and how cheetah actually interacts with wonder woman or maxwell lord how he actually interacts with characters in the dc universe and that just making him a generic villain you know where he's just hates everything and wants to take over the world he had like they gave him some backstory towards the end of the movie but it was kind of it felt really tacked on and his kid in the movie really felt kind of awkward because all of a sudden he doesn't care about the kid all movie then all of a sudden at the end he cares about his kid you know and (laughs) And wouldn't it be nice to have a struggle i mean you're a dad josh you're a dad and a half and so you know having okay one on the way um you Three quarters, I think now. So. Oh, okay. Three quarters. Congratulations, March. Were, were you guys, you know, as dads, you know, that struggle between you have it every day, the work world and your home world. And wouldn't that have been an interesting thing to watch struggle through the movie? Another question I have is the actress, Gail Gaudet, 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 Good. Godot, Godot, Godot? Gaudet. Gaudet. Is it Gaudet? Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's a hard T. Okay. Well, the actress that plays Wonder Woman, how, how, (laughs) why'd they pick her? You know, is she, is she, is she Wonder Woman? I think she does a great job embodying the character of Wonder Woman. I think, I think she falls in the same bucket as Henry Cavill, right? Henry Cavill's an amazing Superman. He just needs somebody to write Superman for him better. Mm -hmm. Like she's, she does embody the character of Wonder Woman very well, as much as like, she has the look. I mean, I know she's she's Israeli, and everybody pictures one woman being you know white, black hair, blue eyes. Um, but if we're being honest, the mascara is an offshoot of Greece. They would not be strictly white, you know. Right. Um, I think she does a good job. I think she can do a good job. I think when the scenes have good writing, she's fantastic. 
Um, I think her Diana Prince can use some work. She's not her alter ego is pretty much just her out of costume. Yeah. Yes. No Thank you. Um, okay. Yes. Yeah. But, yeah. And did you yeah. notice in 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 eighty eight, uh, everyone was wearing very characteristic nineteen eighties clothing, but she really wasn't. No, she, she really was wasn't. <laughs> and it was yeah. like, come on, that you know that would have been part of the fun again to bring her more into the human world instead of look, I look sexy and or, sultry and wonderful if, if you all the time look like, different make her dress to look as if she's like in traditional greek clothing more you know or something that <laughs> more you know like she'd be a little out of place and like maybe she could look a little more modern that way but like look like it's like kind of flowing robe kind of stuff and that's what she's into you know, and even or cool. even you know feel uncomfortable with your know, 1980s the big um pads and shoulder pads right you know have her wear that and show a scene where she's just not really into that you know and and she'd rather wear you know something like that but that to me was just a silliness why do that it's like a subtlety saying this character is better than everybody else well if anything else since she's lived through the the teens the 20s 30s 40s 50s 60s 70s 80s she's lived through all those decades her fashions would probably be fashion backwards yeah, back in time versus versus modern because if she had lived through all that time she would still i mean look at people's grandparents my you know my parents they don't my, my mom doesn't dress modern very modern you know and uh but it, it also didn't touch upon like did she just stay in man's world the whole time did she go back to Themyscira? Or was she just in hiding it's the whole thing like dc has this thing and, and it, it stresses me out with the movies because like they, they're basically saying that she came out for world war one helped out and then disappeared for 80 years yeah. Or 70 years, whatever it there was, you go. and didn't do anything. And then showed up in the 80s for, for this and then disappeared again for 20 more years until Justice League. It's like, really? We're supposed to believe that she just shows up once in a while for things? I mean, there's nothing, no, no talk of She works interview. hard. She needed a nap. Leave her alone. Right. She's got to recharge her, recharge her batteries. For, I don't know her. Maybe on, on the Isle of Women, uh, you know, their cycles last longer and she just needed to lay down and take a nap. I don't know what that is. It's about. I really don't. But moving forward as we wrap up, uh, where does Wonder Woman go from here? Is there another movie? Are we looking forward to it? What What do you think? Um, I think there'll be another movie. I don't think Patty Jenkins is going to direct it. She's already said she's out of it. Uh, I, I Warner Brothers would be dumb not to make a third movie just because they're, they made money on this one. They're going to make money on another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, my thought process though is that they're probably going to put her into a team-up movie or to a movie with, with another character if yeah. they were smart they would rebrand superman and make a good superman movie and put and put her in that with him and do there a superman go. wonder woman film where the, it, it can touch on the the love and then they could do a really good love triangle movie between superman one woman and lois lane because that's always been a big triangle in the comic books it'd be really good for them to, to hit on that in them in a movie because while lois lane superman's ultimate love wonder woman is superman's equal Hmm. And Superman Warman can do things that Superman Lois can never do. Very true. However, you know what? It, what could be really cool is bringing it back to humanity and relatability. You could say that on the superhero realm, but when you have a, a strong woman without the traditional demigod superpowers, could she not still be his equal? She could. You she know, very much and, could. and she and, she is on everything except for except for physicality. Well, there you go. And so is that really everything? Yeah. And that might that might make for a good film? Well, that would bring the, that would bring the humanity, right? That would help bring that that God trying to be human into it. And now him dealing with love and that would expose flaws for both of them. You know, with with the love story in the last couple was kind of like, I've known this guy for five minutes, but he's the first guy I've ever kissed and met. And so I'm in love with him and can't will never love again. And it was like, OK, all right. You know, having something more visceral. I think would be awesome. And yes, please like, please bring in a good writer that is like a super big fan of the comics. You know, hey, why like, don't we at... volunteer? Well, <laughs> there you go, John. You gonna you gonna write the next movie? <laughs> hey, I do it. I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look at the Star Wars universe now that they brought in someone who's a huge Star Wars nerd. Mandalorian yeah, yeah, has yeah, been yeah, amazing. Yeah. Like Dave Floney has done such a good job. And if you haven't watched the Clone Wars and Rebels, please go back and watch those. They're so worth watching and they make Mandalorian better. They yep. make everything better. So please like go and watch that stuff. And I'm really, really hoping that DC can do the same. Cause I do love the DC universe. I just, 
it feels like they kind of like try to jump on the superhero bandwagon for the money. And it's like, let roll that back, get some good writers and give us a good product. Something yep. DC fans have deserved for a long time and haven't really had since the dark night. Hey guys, we're yep. out of time. And John, tell us about your podcast. I got a podcast called spoiler country. We uh, release shows every single day. So once a day, uh, we've got almost 600 episodes out now. You can find us on any podcatcher to search for spoiler country or go to our website at spoilerverse.com. And if you want to follow me for some reason on Twitter, I'm just Y2CL. Love it. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much for hanging out with us and uh, Wonder Womaning up. I like it. She's always been a favorite of mine since I was a little girl, you know. And like you said, Josh, I think I need to revisit the whole theme song for, you know, I like that. Thanks, guys. Wonder Woman. Now, focusing on our fascination with superheroes, our staff writer David Summers in his Somersault commentary has this to say. Remember Saturday mornings back in the day? He'd crawl out of bed while it was still dark, sneak down the hallway in your Batman footy pajamas trying to keep the floor from creaking, grab a raw Pop-Tart, push a button, turn a knob, plop back in a beanbag, and enjoy the crumbly crunch of jelly-filled shortbread along with superhero cartoons. Well, I wouldn't remember such a thing either, but I'm sure there are perfectly normal and adequately socialized individuals who reflect fondly on such cherished moments from their <clears throat> teenage years. Of course, back then, it was the hope of comic nerds everywhere that one day, Hollywood's special effects would rise to levels allowing our favorite heroes to live and move and have their being and all their cinematic wonder. And then it started. Most vividly to my memory with the late 70s, early 80s Superman franchise, followed by the late 80s, early 90s Batman franchise. But it wasn't until the 21st century that superheroes really took off through the celluloid waters with X-Men, Spider-Man, and the behemoth, Avengers. The DC Boys also got rebooted a few times with varying success, up until the underwhelming Justice League, albeit it did launch the career of the Amazonian Wonder, whose star was unexpectedly lassoed back to Earth in 2020's 1984. Has the cinematic era of these mythic figures reached its satiation point? Has a force arisen that triumphs over even the mightiest of cinema's superheroes? Yes. It's called reality. During the past several decades of relative comfort and normalcy, even during economic challenges, Comic-Con conventions drew legions of cosplay-clad enthusiasts representing hosts of worlds that never existed. A kind of united nations of the imaginary multiverse. But this past year hasn't seen a lot of heroes rising. And when they do show up, they're all wearing masks, and not just the sexy ones. It's hard to suspend disbelief with so much disbelief around needing suspending. Nowadays, fantasy realms don't seem to provide the same cultural comfort food they once did, all because of one grossly overlooked realm called reality, which is making itself felt all too viscerally right now. This is the world which doesn't suspend the laws of nature for contrived plot devices, which makes no allowances for the dead to simply pop back to life when the storyline requires it, and in which good, or even not completely bad, does not always triumph over evil. It's a world that needs adults to operate it, not adolescents in Batman pajamas wrapped up in their electronic snuggies as an analgesic from the discomforts of adulting. Is it possible that the hardship of the past year is the clarion call of the god of all reality, drawing us away from the fantasies we've wrapped our minds, hearts, and lives around for far too long? Yes, imagination has its place in healthy living, particularly in one's childhood. But when people continue to live in fantasy land long after puberty, society suffers. Western civilization is in desperate need of adults who think like adults, as it faces terribly concerning challenges like Islamofascist terrorism, rogue nuclear states, and deadly new viral and bacterial strains 
not to mention the increasing breakdown of civil society as largely encouraged by activist entities and political operatives inspired by fantasy movements. The failure of American adults to embrace the challenges of the real world has resulted in the disintegration of our civilization into a thousand non-viable fantasy lands. Perhaps now that reality has come back to bite us, we'll learn to put down our joysticks, comic books, and phasers so that we can get to work rebuilding the world we all actually have to live in. And in encountering the challenges of that process, maybe we'll learn that Jesus Christ, the God of all reality, is the only superhero we really need. I'm David Summers. Thank you, David. That's food for thought. Jesus Christ, the ultimate superhero. What a story. If you want to know more about the God story, you know, you can always email me. Go to mymichellelive.com. Send me an email. Just click on contact. I'll get it and I'll respond. I'll look forward to hearing from you. Now let's get plugged into the movies. I'm pretty cool. Plugging you into the movies. This is Adam Holt. The pretty cool guy himself, Adam Holtz, joins us as we get you plugged into the movies on this entertainment review, looking at uh, what's out there to connect with. As many of us are not getting out and about as much, we're we're really reliant on that screen time. Adam, even if you try to curb screen time, there's just those times where you want to come together and have some outside entertainment, some connection with the outside world. That is exactly right. And the reality is all of us are trying to cope with this thing. And we're trying to have, you know, reasonable limits for our families. And by the same token, yeah, it's hard. And so I think each day we have a chance to try to to work through some of these things. But as you're saying, sometimes you just want to sit down and watch a good movie. So that's, you know, what we can talk about today. Excellent. So there's got to be good movies out there just coming out, right? Uh, there's womp, one womp, womp. That's, that's, that's kind of good. <laughs> okay. So we'll go with, with one me. sort of. Um, there's a new movie on Netflix called Charming, and it was actually released two years ago in Europe. So it's a couple of years old, but it's just coming out in the U.S. now. And as you might expect with a title like Charming, this is a retelling of the Prince Charming fairy tale uh, from... A pretty different perspective. You know, lately it feels like we're deconstructing and reconstructing and all kinds of constructing fairy tales with different points of view. And this one is definitely in that neck of the woods. It was done by the same folks who did Shrek. So it's got a little bit of an irreverent vibe to it. Not quite Disney, uh, you know, sanitized. But this time around, Charming is, uh, we get his sort of origin story to borrow a superhero term. And it turns out there was an evil, vindictive witch. There's usually one of those somewhere in these stories. And before he was born, she cursed him. Now, honestly, it's the kind of curse that I wish I would have had in junior high. And that is that every woman who sees him falls in love with him. I'm like, you know, as curses, as curses go, I can think of worse ones. But poor Charming, it makes him arrogant and insufferable. And on top of that, he can't find true love because everybody has true love for him. So what do you do? Uh, but there is one woman who I won't go into the details. Doesn't It doesn't quite work for her, and they kind of become friends and develop a relationship, and they both have some important things to learn. And along the way, there are some fun, rollicking lessons about friendship, about materialism, um, about you know how other people see us and how those things affect us. Uh, a bit of, of, you know, mild naughtiness creeps in. There's a poster of him naked and he's covering his critical areas up. I mean, just if you've seen Shrek, you've got a, a feel for some of the those sorts of mild bathroom humor things that, that creep in. And one other thing that's pretty weird is that um, he and his friend, whose name is Lenore, run into a female group of cannibals. Uh, and I guess somebody thought cannibalism was funny. Okay, whatever. We'll go with it. So, 
don't be surprised when <laughs> okay. you get to that part too. <laughs> okay, okay. You know, it's uh, irreverence is maybe we try to think of ourselves as grown up and 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 maybe cynical, yeah. uh, but it couldn't be any worse than talk about fairy tales. And it's up on uh, some of the sites. It's into the woods, and it's a musical yeah. that was made in 2014 into a into a film and man i know people have gone nuts over into the woods i don't like it i don't like it i'm sorry people i don't like it it's like (laughs) really it's just it's dark and sad and miserable (laughs) and it doesn't seem to me to have any redeeming value and so uh, this goes into something that adam and i talk about a lot that when you see a film and you think, gosh, that's just, you walk away just kind of feeling miserable or there's just something to miss. Think about the, there's like a math, math, and I'm not a math girl, so, you know, forgive me for messing this up, but there <laughs> almost seems to be. <laughs> no math a, and not a girl. No, so you're, you're, you got it off on both counts. Um, right. This, there seems to be an equation though to a ratio between dark, dreary, sad, miserable, um, and a redemptive quality if that's not yeah. there it doesn't it doesn't tell it doesn't feel complete and that's an interesting idea with a god story to it have we been created adam with a desire and a need for redemption and do we have this feeling that the story isn't over until right. the final redemption oh no, that I think you're exactly right, and I, I should have this verse memorized, but I don't. I'm not sure where it's at in Scripture, but I'm certain it's in the Bible. You know, it talks about God creating us with eternity in our hearts, and I think that we do have an intuitive sense, even in our fallen world, that we were created for something better. We were created for life. We were created for relationship. We were created for beauty and joy and intimacy in the best sense of that word. Um, And we're deeply aware intuitively that something is not right. And I think to the extent that we, we really turn toward God and earnestly seek to be in relationship with him, there is genuine opportunity for redemption. But I think apart from that, Um, there's not. Now, the corollary is I think a lot of the stories we see, even if they're not God stories, again, getting back to your thesis, uh, we like happy endings because we were made for a happy ending. And people who sort of deliberately mess with or subvert that impulse, it sort of feels like, man, have they just capitulated so much to the darkness that their only joy is in subverting those of us who still still cling to it, uh, cling to you know the hope of a happy ending. Absolutely. So, anyway, yeah. and I, I think hadn't thought about any of that till just now. So just run with that. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're re- maybe referring to a scripture in Ecclesiastes, which I'd like, uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to read it and think about yeah, how yeah, does this do. apply to the film industry? He has made everything beautiful in its time Mm. he has also said eternity in the hearts of men yet they cannot fathom the work of god uh, that god has done from the beginning to to end so it it almost Mm. sounds like it can apply to to the film industry when we watch a film you know that i'm i'm not really i love to i love spoilers let me just put it out there i really do love spoilers (laughs) because i'm sitting there grabbing someone's fingers and going this is uncomfortable there's things i don't want to see uh embarrassing situations where i'm just too empathetic (laughs) i just don't i i don't want to I don't want to. I don't want it. Just take it away. But uh, if you, if yeah. I know it's going to end well, it's like it. Maybe it's okay. But he has made everything beautiful in 
it's time. And he said eternity yes. in the hearts of men. But we can't really fathom the work that God has done from beginning to the end. We don't always know how that's, we don't understand. No. That's why we're always asking the question why. But when we watch in the film, the why come together, it is a beautiful thing. And that's why uh, some films that thing. are a little too irreverent and don't have a redemptive quality like Into the Woods just isn't worthwhile. Yeah. Sounds like Charming may be a different story. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think it's. Uh, it's not trying to be subversive at that level. I mean, I think it's subversive in the same way Shrek was when it came out. You know, Shrek took all of these, you know, fairy tale tropes, and it played with them, right? And it mm -hmm. played with them in ways that some of them are hysterical, and some of them are like, oh, okay, I could have done without the underwear joke there. Like for me. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't need it to go to that, you know, level of, of, you know, toilet humor. And actually I think Shrek was kind of a bellwether in terms of setting a new standard with that sort of approach uh, that has really influenced animation ever since then. Um, mm -hmm. But no, charming is charming is not in that kind of a place. Uh, it's just a few things that you may want to be aware of as parents, if you have littles who are interested in it, because I think it's aimed at a pretty young audience. Well, something that I watched based on our conversation last week was Woodlawn. And that, boy, does that have a oh, yeah. redemptive message based on a true story. It is on Pure Flix. So it, I have okay. to say it is worth a watch. It is very overtly Christian. But yeah. I don't know if it's because it's a true story that it, it doesn't ring, ring as overly preachy. Do, right. Would you it, agree with that? it doesn't feel like a Christian movie in a bad way. <laughs> right. Or, like, or um, sometimes oh, Christian sappy. movies don't feel real. Right. right. And they right. can be no. a little sappy. And, and yet, you know, if you're a true believer, you walk away from those going, yeah, that, that feels right. good. Facing the Giants war room. You know, I walk away feeling, feeling good or uh, maybe bolstering your faith. And that's fine. There's a place for that. Do not get me wrong. Yes. But for the general public, yep. they're looking at that going, that's kind of sappy. You know, it's the opposite of right. Shrek land. People who live in Shrek right. land, <laughs> watch that and go, yes. yeah, no. So, so the, uh, Woodlawn is is a well, it's a football faith movie, and it's based yep. on a true story uh, that shows a great revival that took place in a high school and eventually a town. It just kind of trickled. And right, what, and it's, is it in ahead. Alabama in like nineteen seventy three or something like 1973, that? Nineteen seventy three, I believe. Yes. Uh, what what a beautiful story of uh, yes of love and unity in a time of segregation and division. It I really yep. liked the film. Yeah, I did too. I did too, and I think I joked. When we talked about it, you did. even though the title is, you know, the name of the high school, it sounds like a funeral home, like <laughs> Woodlawn. Honestly, it sounds like a funeral home. Yeah. And I think it was not the best. I don't know that the title really did service to the story, but I think it's, yeah, I think it's one of the best Christian movies I've seen in the last 10 years or so. And it came out a number of years ago. I don't have the date right in front of me, but probably five or six years ago at least. And uh, the Irwin brothers did that one. And I remember they actually came to focus on the family where I work and where Plugged In is and, and really plugged what they were trying to do with the film. And they are trying to create stories that are infused with faith, but that are not so insider-ish that somebody outside the faith can't connect with it. Yeah, and I think Woodlawn there's was a place a for that. that. It was a great example. It was really personal for me in my high school experience. <laughs> I realized that throughout my life, Adam, uh, faith, a non-judgmental, just genuine faith changes the world it really does and in yeah. my high school uh i went to uh, i went to church maybe an hour outside of where i lived 
And we had a very small youth group of about three people. And the other kids said, you know, you talk about faith, but, you know, what are you like every day? And I prayed about it and talked to my parents. I went to school an hour away. Sometimes I'd take a bus, sometimes for an hour and a half. And sometimes I would uh, stay with someone at at church. And as I was there, uh, this small group of people, we just got to live our faith out together boldly and mm. standing up as a new student tell us about yourself and as you can imagine you know standing up well i'm michelle and you know here are some of my interests but if you really want to know me you you really might want to look into jesus because he's everything mm. to me you know in a public school i mean what could they say that's a, that's about me well right. something happened in the in the church and in the town our youth group in a very small town a very small town in Sultan, Washington, uh, grew from those three kids to 50, 75 sometimes in our youth group meetings. Mm-hmm. There were, uh, we ha- hosted things that interacted with the school. Uh, there were things that happened in the, in the town and in people's lives. And even the atheist uh, vice principal came to me and said, Michelle, I'm an atheist, but I want to tell you, I see what's happening in this school and anything that your youth group wants to do in association with our school, you've got my okay. That's huge. Not because we were being overtly preachy, but because we were standing for principles that that are biblical and they change lives. And it was powerful. So watching Woodlawn, that's my long testimony. I apologize. Uh If you made it through that as you're listening today, you are a friend. Um, (laughs) But I say all that to say Woodlawn has just was so personal to me watching the beauty of genuine faith. Yes. And, And watching it as it comes into contact with real issues, because that movie has to do with segregation and desegregation of schools and the change and the tumult of that period of time. And I think, honestly, I think the movie might be more relevant now than it was when it came out right? several years ago. Um, because I, I think it, it shows that it, it takes courage to stand up to, um, I think, genuine bigotry and racism. And I think, unfortunately, we use those words so much in the last couple of years that they've almost lost some of their meaning. But, but obviously, uh, racism remains a serious issue in our culture and, and one that we all have to take seriously and, right. and really grapple with. But, but I love what you're talking about just in terms of loving on people who are, are close to us. Uh, and uh, when I was in college, I don't know if we've ever talked about this. i I had grown up in the church, and I'll spare you the entire testimony. But suffice it to yeah, say, because Michelle's was, was so long. Hello, okay. right? Go ahead. Well, I wasn't walking with God, and I had had a negative experience in my youth group that really turned me off to church. And my mom was praying that I would find some believers when I got to college, which going to a state school certainly was not a given. Um, but I ended up living with a guy who was a Christian, and his name was Dave and Dave just loved people and our door was always open and people knew that Dave was a Christian, but Dave was not like a radical evangelist. He just listened to people and he would ask questions and he'd say, have you thought about this? And, you know, sometimes he would talk about his faith if it was appropriate, but I just watched him and he was so winsome, Michelle. And I thought, golly, I want to be like that. And I was annoyed, right? I mean, I'm going to the <laughs> bars three nights a week and some nights I come home, some nights I don't. And I mean, I was not in a good place, but I saw, I saw something that was real and that was impacting people. And uh, again, I think the best kinds of Christian movies are able to tell stories like that, that aren't hokey. They're not saccharine. They're not unbelievable but they show how real faith permeates people's lives and and Woodlawn accomplishes that. Yeah, and and what a film. So we've talked about Woodlawn. Go uh, to Pure Flix. I know it's there. It's a great place to to watch it. Woodlawn. 
Uh, some other things that may be worth a see. One thing that I saw this week was we can be heroes. Now it's in the venue uh-huh. of um, Spy Kids, definitely, or right. sh- definitely uh, has reference no, and the I characters mean, the- of Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Yeah, well, it's Spy Kids, it's done by Robert Rodriguez, so it's the same director as Spy Kids. Exactly. So, so that's it, why it, it feels it, similar. It is. It's. I mean, it's just. It's just another iteration, and it's fun. Yeah. It's simple. It's not in depth. Yeah. You're not gonna. You know, we're not looking at. Um, you know, the Marvel universe here, but it is a fun no, watch no. for for families and for yeah. kids. And I really didn't have any any issues with with the program at no. the movie at all. It's pretty gentle, um, and you know, this is a movie that is about. Uh, an alien invasion and the superhero parents sort of get captured and it's up to the superhero kids to save the day. But the girl who ends up sort of being the leader of the superhero kids doesn't actually have any superpowers herself other than maybe her leadership. And, and it's sort of a not coming of age is too strong because these are little kids, but yeah. her growing in her own confidence and her ability to, to lead and to influence, but yeah, content-wise, it's really clean. Yeah, I liked the movie. I think if you have families, you will really like it as well. Outside the Wire is an R-rated movie. Uh, it is pretty yeah. violent, uh, but yeah. uh, worth worth a talk. Yeah, you know, Outside the Wire is a movie that stars Anthony Mackie. Um, I think he was Falcon in the Marvel Universe uh, movies. And this is a movie, uh, it's a sort of set in the near future movie about a conflict in Eastern Europe. And there's a guy who is a drone operator and he kind of disobeys an order and he justifies it by saying it ends up killing some people that he wasn't supposed to kill. And he's like, yeah, but I saved all these people. It's an ethical conundrum, and so it deals with sort of the modern reality of warfare and and people doing battle remotely. But as a, a discipline, he is sent kind of to the front lines with a – he's not quite a robot, but that's the closest way to talk about him, or a, a realistic android character who actually knows more about being human than the human being does. And it's, it is violent, but it definitely is sort of – a change your perspective kind of movie on warfare. Let's get up close and personal and let's look at the consequences of, you know, people sitting in a room operating drones. And and it begs some pretty interesting ethical questions, I think, uh, along those lines. Definitely an adult film. I did want to ask you about news of the world because I know very little about it and thought maybe we'd throw it out for our listeners. Well, you know, we're in this new time where once upon a time, movies came out in the theater and then they showed up on video three months later. Well, this one came out in the theater right before Christmas and came out on video a week ago. So that window is really tightening up for stuff that is getting a theatrical release, obviously, because a lot of theaters are still closed. Uh, It stars Tom Hanks as a man in 1870, Texas who he travels from town to town and takes the news with him and reads news stories to these small, rural, often borderline illiterate uh, communities. Um, And so that's his job. And along the way, at one point, he runs into a wagon in the middle of nowhere, Texas. The wagon has clearly been ransacked. There's a guy hanging by a tree and he finds a little girl dressed in a deerskin dress, and she doesn't speak English. Well, he has to go back and piece her story together. And it turned out that when she was very young, she was kidnapped by the Kiowa Indians and raised by them. And then the cavalry attacked and killed those Indians, and she was orphaned again, really. Um, so she lost her, her parents in the Kiowa raid and then lost the Indians who had raised her. Um, or the Native Americans are probably not supposed to say Indians anymore. Forgive me for that. Um, but, uh, she, uh, so here she is. And of course, Tom Hanks's character takes pity on her, 
tries to get her to some place where, you know, they'll take care of her, finally decides that if she's going to get to her distant relatives in San Antonio, he's going to be the one who has to take her. So it really is a story about fatherhood. You certainly can see themes of adoption in it. Um, and uh, it was directed by Paul Greengrass, who has done a lot of pretty tough R-rated movies uh, like Flight 93. Uh, and our very own Paul Acey recently interviewed him, and you can find that at our blog. And he talks about how he wanted this to be his family movie. So it's PG-13. There's some violence there. That's probably the biggest issue, some drinking. Uh, but really redemptive film. And of everything out there recently, it's definitely one of the better options right now. Excellent. I'm going to be looking at that this week. I started watching WandaVision, got into maybe oh, the yes. first three episodes. and We got we to gotta talk about WandaVision, right? We have to talk about WandaVision. It is very unique, and you're not really sure what you're getting into when you start, no, honestly. You it's a little uh, bubblegummy, 1950s, black and whitey, and you're going, what is this? But then you see hints of a deeper story so it's worth getting past the first one or two episodes it builds yeah so and and wandavision for those who aren't familiar i mean this is one of those shows where if you're an insider you already know everything about it and if you're not you're like what the heck is this um wanda maximoff is also known as the scarlet witch in the avengers uh and vision is her android husband and he of course is killed twice in Avengers Infinity War. So we know that this takes place sometime before that, and they are trapped or existing in this sitcom-like world, as you've talked about. And so the first couple episodes are like almost beat for beat like the Dick Van Dyke show or Bewitched or something like that. But as you mentioned, they're figuring out that something is off. And my understanding of how things are going to go from here is that they're going to go forward in time and each of the episodes will be based on a sitcom from a period of certain period of time. So I think this week, how creative, how creative they're going to get, it's amazing. They're going to get at least as far as the office. Um, (laughs) And some have speculated that this is somehow Wanda's attempt to work through her grief after vision dies in the movie. Um, we'll that was see, my thought. But, that was my thought, but we will see. Um, you um, know, it's really, really. If you if you've seen those old shows, it's a delight. And if you haven't, it's like, well, yeah, this is actually the way TV used to be. It's kind of a refreshing throwback. So, a real fun way to spend some screen time with your kids. I know you wrote in a blog uh, recently. In fact, just this week, uh, talking about screen time and giving parents yeah. some insight and some thoughts, some food for thought and reminders of, you know, screen time can be dangerous, can be overwhelming. Um, we talked this yep. week about depression, and there is a direct link for kids, teens, um, screen time and depression. So yes. it's it, you can't do an all or nothing method with, right. with screen time. It just isn't re- realistic. But there are some things that we can do. And you you tackle that in the blog. Yeah, you know, I think I tend to be an all or nothing person. Like, either we completely solve this problem right now, or we don't do anything. And honestly, the vast majority of our life is somewhere in between. There aren't very many moments where all or nothing really works very well. Um, But I think for our family, you know, we have tried to do some resets and changing your habits a little bit at a time. And so make a small change. Hey, you know, after dinner, we're all going to turn off our devices for an hour and maybe we'll relate. Maybe we'll go do something else. Maybe we'll play a board game, you know, make that one small change. And if you can make several of those, you begin to claw back that time that sort of naturally and easily and automatically these days goes straight to screens. And I mean, I'm, I will stand at the front of the line and say, we are not perfect. We don't have it figured out. And there's tons of room for growth in my life and my family's life, but we don't have to just sort of capitulate to, well, this is just the way it is and we can't do anything. We can make those, you know, the baby step changes. If we, if I can quote, what about Bob, you know, <laughs> let's make some baby steps together toward clawing some of that time back from the screens. 
That sounds like a plan to me. You can go to PluggedIn.com and read uh, Adam's blog posting, The Coronavirus Screen Time Supernova. You can look at reviews of the movies that we talked about. You can also get in touch with YouTube's books, games, music, television, and give you a little insight into what's good, what's not. It It is something that I've used in the past, Adam, we've talked about a lot. I've looked in the past to see, uh, okay, is this worth a see? Now I'm finding that I'm using PluggedIn.com differently. I'm looking to find out what is worthwhile to see. Uh, so yeah. you can, what to see, what to connect with, and, what to, and, and how to know what your kids are getting connected with as well. So go to PluggedIn.com and, of course, listen to this podcast where we hang out with Adam every week. Adam, thanks for hanging out with us. Absolutely, Michelle. It is one of my highlights of the week each week. So always enjoy talking with you. Now it gets weird. Weird news. Taking us into our last segment today, our associate producer, Lisa J. Get us weird. Well, I don't know if you're a beer fan, Michelle. Yes. Both of my weird news stories that I grabbed from Buzz 60 are about beer. Now, would you ever try beer yoga? Oh, yeah. Well, I guess beer yoga is a thing that everybody is trying. You guys have to take a listen to this story. You've probably heard of hot yoga, but what about cold beer yoga? This is a beer yoga class that's gaining traction in Cambodia, and it's exactly what it sounds like. The mixing of traditional yoga stretches, all the while having a cold one close at hand. The class, which is the first of its kind in the Southeast Asian country, takes place at the Two Birds Craft Brewery, and it seems to be aimed at people who would otherwise skip the exercise altogether. This is what one participant had to say about the activity. For me, I do not like traditional yoga because I get bored after about 20 minutes. But I have more fun with beer yoga. It's not as serious as traditional yoga. We're with friends and say cheers and sip beer. And that makes me feel very happy. And the instructor, Anna, agrees, saying it's less yoga, more hanging with your friends. Uh, but I think like the practice we're doing tonight, um, it's more like, how could I put it? Like an introduction to yoga, just, you know, learning the basic moves. It's not like a a real yoga practice. It's more like uh, gathering with friends, incorporating yoga moves to like uh, entertainment time with your friends. It's a healthy little twist on an activity that usually isn't. Yeah, I think we should try it, Michelle. What do you think? Oh yeah. Okay, it's official. Fabulous. All right, well, this next story has to do with a dog who has been trained to get his owner beer, and he also knows how to recycle. We've all been in this scenario before. You need another beer, but the fridge is way over there. Well, Brent Kramer has figured out a solution by teaching his Labrador Boone to fetch it for him. But that's not all. The pup shuts the door and then even grabs Brent a koozie to keep his beverage cold. Brent says that while it may look effortless as Boone performs his, uh, chores, it took a ton of training to get him where he is today. Saying about the pooch, quote, it's been a lifetime of trying to stimulate his brain and teach him something new. He finally mastered it last year. Aside from teaching Boone to grab another beer, he's also an environmentally conscious pet, with the doggy now knowing how to recycle, even when to pick up litter that was left behind. So how do you teach a dog to do all these amazing things? Brent says that it's all about positive reinforcement, of course in the form of lots and lots of treats, adding that he's planning on making a video series on how to train your pup up just like Boone. Well, those are all the ones that I got for you guys this week. I hope you guys are having a wonderful weekend, and thank you so much. Thanks, Lisa J. Well, thanks for being part of our entertainment review. You know, we have a host of podcasts that talk about science and technology, health, news and views, even sports, and in them all, we try to look for the God story. If there's a God, can we see evidence of him? And what does he ask of us? It's a deeper story. It's a liberating story. And I encourage you to look in your own life for the God story along with me. And if you like what you heard, will you like it, share it, support us. You can donate. You can uh, stand in support of some of the folks that 
affiliate with us. You know, just do what you can to get that God story out. We're here for you. Be there for us. We're a team. I'll look forward to talking with you next time. That's Entertainment Review. I'm Michelle Mendoza. Check out more at mymichellelive.com. 